0: Hey, hey, you're listening to the Let's Heal Already podcast for the sometimes impatient, sometimes cranky person doing some healing. And I'm your host, JR. I'm an author, actor and speaker from Far Rockaway, New York. And on this podcast, you'll hear me cover ground on a variety of topics from mental wellness and emotional literacy to blackness to masculinity and femininity to ending misogyny and patriarchy to last but not least, bisexuality and ending sexual shame. Hey, hey, it's me again. All right, so this is season two, episode 15, the season finale episode. And I am joining you during the week of Loneliness Awareness Week to bring you a very special episode with one of my friends, with one of my college friends who has been on the podcast before, Patrice Bryan. She is a professional working out in the mental health Mental wellness field. She graduated, got her master's degree. She's out here doing the work, doing the good work. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm happy to present this episode to all of you. The season finale of season two during loneliness awareness week. And we are talking about emotional safety and some signs of emotional safety. I thought it was really important to do this episode because You know, so many times people talk about loneliness. So many times people talk about community, friendship, romantic relationship, family. And, you know, a lot of times we just complain and complaining is, you know, not the worst thing in the world. Sometimes a lot of good can come out of complaining because you get to learn about some of the things that you need, you know, but. What I was really like, my mindset going into this episode was to provide like some green flags. You know, we could talk about red flags all day, red flag, red flag, red flag, but what are the things that we want to see? What are the things that make us open up? What are the things that make us feel more connected to people, less lonely, less alone? And I feel like in this episode, we definitely delved into a lot of that. Lots of great content in this episode. And I just wanted to say that what I will be doing is after this season finale, I will take a bit of a break with putting out episodes. And on this break, what I really want to do is I want to improve the podcast. I want to improve the social media presence of the podcast. So, you know, Jr. Yusuf Books is definitely where I post about the podcast, where I let people know that a new episode has come out. And also, even beyond that, I want to, you know, maybe talk to people in marketing and figure out something, figure out something to do to better market the podcast. You know, I want to post more infographics on IG, coin certain phrases or phrases that I've already sort of used on the podcast. You know, I want to really like hone in on them and create like a sort of like language and culture for the podcast, because I know that that's how You know, a lot of these things work, branding and all of that stuff. So I really want to like focus in on that. I want to also, you know, move forward and perhaps get some merch going. Um, If that's something that y'all would be interested in, please let me know what you think for merch. Like, are you thinking like this is a T-shirt sort of thing, a sweater sort of thing, stickers or gratitude journals, pens, buttons, hats? What? Tell me. Give me some feedback. Um, I also want to schedule some guests for the next season with certain topics, you know, find the right people to connect with, to talk to, and also people to blog about this podcast. You know, there are lots of different kinds of podcasts out in the world, but I definitely love this podcast because I get to talk about all of these nerdy things. I get to talk about the brain and neuroscience. Wait. Maybe that should be an episode. I haven't really gone into my nerdy neuroscience brainy stuff, which is what really speaks to me and calls out to me when it comes to psychology and mental wellness and stuff. So, yeah, let me know Let me know what you think about that if you want to hear more nerdy brainy stuff about how the human body, human brain, human nervous system works. And I want to, you know talk about cooler things. I want to think about press and promo for the podcast. I want to get all of like the behind the scenes producer stuff down, you know, and I want to just create a better structure. So I'm going to take some time off to figure out how to do all of these things and I will be back shortly, but I'm definitely going to take a bit of a hiatus, a bit of a break to work on the podcast, the producer side of things, and also obviously like, you know, the book. So I'm waiting on right now, I'm waiting on my publisher to get back to me. They have been having some meetings after I turned in the final draft and they're going to get back to me very soon. And so I'm sure I'm going to be, Inundated with lots of work for the book. And so I'm going to need this time to really focus on that and just focus on all of the admin stuff for the podcast. But you all have a wonderful episode ahead of you. And without further ado, I will get out of the way and let you listen to this week's podcast. And I will see you in season three. All right. Hey, hey. It's Jr. Youssef, and I am joined by a very special guest. Her name is Patrice Bryan. She is no stranger to this podcast. We had a uh, uh, an episode a while back, and we were responding to "The Body Keeps the Score." And this time around, we will not be doing that. We will actually be talking about signs of emotional safety. But I just wanted to introduce her. Patrice Bryan already got her license. She graduated and she got her her master's, rather, uh, in counseling psychology. So she's no longer a student like last time she was and now she is working in the field um and it is so cool to be joined by her again she also has a podcast called um Jesus is a comedian and my life is a joke and i that podcast is so funny let me tell you something patrice when you said that these dudes out here ain't got no um what was it these dudes out here ain't got no um soul tied mm-hmm. really like yo you need that on a shirt or something. I think.
1: <laughs> Add it to the
0: to do list. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing today?
1: I it, you listen. We are alive mm-hmm. and we are well, and there's breath in my body. <laughs> Shout out to my religiosity days.
0: <laughs> cool. Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to speak to me about this, signs of emotional safety. I want to just kind of briefly talk about why we're talking about this and where this came from. It seems a little random, but it's not. Um, Basically, there has been this epidemic of loneliness going on that I've already mentioned several times on this podcast and back on YouTube in my YouTube days. And this has been going on for years, and it's been documented probably like heavily documented. in, I think when I first became aware of it was like in 2017 and 2018. And, you know, since th- the beginning days of the pandemic, it's only gotten worse. And so, you know, a remedy from what I understand, a remedy to loneliness is community and also emotional safety. So I wanted to talk about some green flags of emotional safety, some personality traits about or like some, some characteristics of, of emotional safety. So, uh, what do you, what do you think about this topic, Patrice? How do you feel about like when I reached out to you and was like, come on the podcast and we'll chat about this?
1: I, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts. Um, I'm going through my own wilderness <laughs> right now. And it was like, when you said like, oh, we talk about emotional safety, I was like, ooh, me right now? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I think it's a thing. Like, first of all, I, a lot of people don't realize how emotionally unsafe they are mm-hmm. just by how they talk about things publicly, right? Like, everybody wants to be seen and heard and felt and all of the things, but, like, people can see you, right? Like, the ways that you talk about other people, the ways that you talk about all the trending topics, Mm -hmm. people can see you, babe. Like, that's why, you know, when people are like, you know, that particular person that you're discoursing about on the timeline, they might not see your tweets, but your insert here friend who is like that person can,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And I, everybody wants to have, you know, a relationship a friendship or whatever the thing is that they're aspiring to, but like that self-awareness of how you're coming across is just so important because again, people can see you. And if people don't feel safe, they're not gonna do any of the things that you want them to do with you. And that's something that I think is so important as we consider, like, you know, how come I don't have and how come I don't this? Like, mm. but are you that thing that people will want to be with? And I don't know that people really think about that very intentionally because like safe is so much more than, oh yeah, I think I'm I think I'm that, but are you
0: though? Mm. So you already highlighted a huge green flag of like a person who's emotionally safe, which is a person who has a level of self-awareness, a, a, a high level of emotional self-awareness and the ways that they talk about others and the ways that they express themselves.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not to say that you can't be opinionated and I'm, I'm not suggesting that you don't ever say things about anything. But I just think that, you know, for example, as mental health becomes more discussed everywhere, and I think that that's great, and it's also, we're seeing this, like, sharp left turn where, you know, people talking about, like, the, what is it? Um, People are taking therapy speak and doing, like, all the weird things with it. Mm -hmm. Like, take several steps back, and like, reverse. Um, But even as it's becoming more, it's 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 more more widely done like let's consider the the hard stake in the ground that you're putting around this mental health thing because somebody that you're close to is gonna feel something by this hard stance you take and do you want that to be where you where you stand like just to make a point or just to have a viral tweet like I, I don't know. Think before th- 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 think before you speak. Like it's very, very simple. It's very much back to basics because I think that people are so much more concerned with, like, you know, again, like this idea of boundaries, like boundaries are supposed to be something that you maintain, not other people maintain for you. Mm -hmm. And people are saying boundaries, boundaries, when they really mean like, this is a rule of engagement. And like, Mm -hmm. you have to like remove yourself. Not like, if you want to speak to me, you have to speak to me in this manner. Um, If you stay here and it's kind of like, yes. And you're supposed to guide all of these things, because you're also telling people like, stay away from me if you don't do this. And then then you wonder why the people aren't coming. Well, you've kind of told them that this is a stay out zone. Mm-hmm. So you know. I think wondering why you're not able to, it, you'll attract more bees with honey, right? This is not me telling you to be wishy-washy, but if you're literally putting a large neon sign that says no insert here, then the insert here's are staying away. And so I think it's that inviting people to have the conversation first and then deciding who stays and who goes is better versus putting up the wall first and then wondering why nobody's inside. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. And that's why it's not safe.
0: Wow. Wow. That's very interesting. When I think about emotional safety and a green flag for uh, a person who is emotionally safe. I think about timing and pacing. I think about there, is, ha, there being a thing as too much too soon. And, you know, like you mentioned, as these topics, these mental wellness topics, these therapy language, therapy speak topics uh, become more mainstream, widespread, it makes it easier for some people to jump into these deep waters of, Trauma and mental health and da, 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 da and these like very heavy loaded topics and things and we talking first link we talking first meetup first time I met you like you know and mm-hmm. that for me in my experience hasn't boded well or hasn't necessarily laid the groundwork for a emotionally safe emotionally healthy relationship because there are like little micro steps. There are little micro boundaries, if you will, that you sort of establish for yourself in friendships that take their time to develop or in romantic relationships that take their time to develop. And, you know, we can have a whole conversation about our interests. And within that conversation, you'll gather a, like oh, you like talking about this stuff. You don't really like talking about this stuff, or you don't really like this artist too much. And from that, you've just shared something that you know. Like, what am I trying to say? You're you're laying groundwork when mm-hmm. you have uh, these menial top these menial conversations. You're laying groundwork for how you would like to be spoken to, the things that you would like to speak about. The things that you have sensitivities around you know people talk about how like they don't like small talk and small talk has its uses and is important too especially in developing an emotionally safe relationship
1: yeah so okay i am one of those i don't like small talk people but <laughs> when i think about <laughs> when i think about small talk i think about like, how was your day going? What did you do to the WID? What did you eat? You know, like little, little, little things that are like the mental load of my day mm. that like, I don't want to be thinking about that with somebody that I'm just getting to know, perhaps like those help maintain relationships. They don't build relationships. You know what I'm saying? In in my personal like preference right like i once i get to know you once we know each other i want you to think to check in with me about did i eat because i probably didn't (laughs) you know what i'm saying but small talk is not what i'm interested in what i do like to um you know for hobbies and things like that now i might tell you that i don't keep up with and things like that but i think smaller topics like smaller talk but it's not small for me to talk about like you know places that i've traveled or you know my interests outside of work and things of that nature i think sometimes we even confuse about what small talk is not even confused but like you know there's levels to what's small and things like that trauma is big Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's levels between what did you eat and, you know, who did that to you? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 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 And people skipping that in between. So I think that, like, because that's the stuff I want to talk about. Like, what lights me up and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Like, I don't necessarily want to talk about that with somebody that I just met either. Well, let me say, let me say that sometimes I won't go into too much detail because then you get the people who, if somebody's just interested in you for an outcome, mm-hmm. they're going to their eyes are going to glaze over when you talk about what lights you up. Mm-hmm. So if someone's really interested in you, when you get to talking about like where you traveled and what you did on your travel on your travels and how it made you feel, they're gonna be you know, they're gonna be involved in that conversation because I've had those conversations. But if someone just wants to know, like, if you got money, they want to know where you traveled and how much you spent on that travel and what car did you use and did you go to the Delta Sky Club Mm -hmm. when you went there, right? Like, I I think there's two different ways to have that conversation depending on the the person's level of interest in you. So I think like the small talk is like, yeah, when I went, like, I used TSA PreCheck and uh, I saw a diddy when I went there, like, da 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 like, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like even the way you have the conversation can um, really show what's deep and what's small and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, but then when I went there, like, something terrible happened to me, and blah, 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 that's the deeper, like, you know, we save that for <laughs> when we we've, we've had more conversations or it's been the several months or whatever the, whatever the time frame is on it. But I think that, yeah, the, and I, I had to learn that too, though, about pacing. Cause when, once I've decided that I like you in the past and I feel like you should know everything about me, I've been like, okay, so let me tell you. <laughs> and then I, I've, I've been in a situation where I feel like the person was trying to like pace me And I realized it, and I was like, oh, I've never experienced that before. And that was kind of nice. Well, I will uh, respond to the fact that I think that perhaps I should slow down. That's okay. I'm cool with that. (laughs) Whereas other, because that's someone who wants to remain in community with you. I don't know if that was like evidence of a boundary. Perhaps it was, because it wasn't like they said, like, if you talk about this again, I will leave. Like, it wasn't that thing that you see on social media where like a screenshot of your conversation is floating somewhere or somebody's talking about you and you're like dang like you could have just told me why, (laughs) right on twitter or instagram (laughs) right like now sometimes it's like this is funny like they really tried it i'm never talking to them again this is stupid (laughs) but other times like the screenshots that used to get posted i feel like back in the day were like oh this is wild ha ha that was funny thank you for posting it but the screenshots i'm seeing now are like you you guys couldn't finish that conversation? I feel like there was more that could have been said, but you just wanted us to see that somebody liked you and is talking to you, so you wanted us to know that. Thanks.
0: Now, okay, so now this is bringing the, us to another emotional um, safety green flag, which is a level of, like, privacy and also, like, a level yeah. of, um, like, what's that word, like... When you ask permission to, like, share or whatever, like, what is that? Is that, like, consent? Consent? That falls under consent, right? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, like, there's an element of, like, you know, what I tell you, going to stay with you. And, like, if you want to tell someone else, you're going to ask me first. Or if you want to show what we've been talking about, you're going to ask me first. So that's another, like, green flag for emotional uh, safety in relationships, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there are some things that you just kind of assume like somebody's best friend is going to is gonna know, right? There are some things that are like, all right, something really nice happened. Like, I'll give you an example. Somebody that I was talking to, he sent me um, like a sermon that he did at his church. Because yeah, I, I still talk to people who preach. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, I, it was so beautiful to me. And I sent like a, a link of the sermon to my cousins and I told him that I did, mm-hmm. um, but also like it's a sermon, it's on YouTube, like I'm assuming other people going to see it, so like it's not a secret, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like things like that, um, but or something like really, really, like now granted, it's, you probably should get consent anyway, you know what I'm saying, for things that are just said between you and another person, but like, especially if there are things that are said in conflict, um, and things of that nature, like I, we we do assume that perhaps you have a comp. Conf- I do assume anyway that if you have a confidant, you're probably going to ask somebody for input because sometimes, anyway, like you yourself, you're not always going to respond appropriately. But then I'm I'm not going to assume your confidant is your Instagram followers. Like
0: right, right, right. That's That's not how that works. It's like it's like it's probably going to be like your best friend or your sister or your brother or like somebody close to you, and it's just like it's not meant to like spread the word about you. It's like just to vent or to like get another perspective or whatever, right? Like that's very different than like putting you on blast on Instagram or or or, uh, Twitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, and 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 usually mine has been like am I tripping? Where did I go wrong? Right? Like, not like, let's dump on this other person. Um, And if you are just looking for, you know, the chorus to say like, no, you are wrong. That person is blah, blah, blah. Then you, you probably don't need that. Right? Like if that's, if you're seeking the validation of, of that, then you, then you probably just don't like that person or you don't need that person to continue to, you probably need to be continue to be in communication with that person because then you don't like, I don't know, like, what are you looking for? You know what I'm saying? Like, if the idea is we need to resolve and I've just, I'm just stuck in this moment, but then you, you know, I'm not really sure, but yeah, the idea that you're going to put somebody on blast or whatever the case may be, really, so it's that conflict resolution, right? It's not just conflict, but the resolution of conflict and not conflict for conflict's sake, but yeah, the safety, like, cause there's that, there is a privacy factor to safety, right? If you thought that everything you said to a person was going out to a bunch of people, especially a bunch of people that you possibly know, cause there's that other thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing if you don't know those people or you're never going to know those people. But if you know those people, there's like, you feel exposed mm-hmm. already,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um... And I mean, even if you don't know those people, you still kind of feel exposed, but like you it it's not safe to feel exposed,
0: period. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That lack of like, yeah, yeah. And I also kind of heard you say, um, and this will be the last thing on on this before I jump into uh the article that I kind of wanted to briefly peruse, but I also heard you say in what you just said that like there in there's an element of a person who takes responsibility in emotional safety, like a person who able to take responsibility for their 50% of uh, the conflict or, or the, the friendship relationship, romantic relationship and how a person who shows that they are capable of taking ownership of the, the part that they played is a sign. Like that's a green flag. That's like, Oh yeah, this person might be emotionally safe for me to be around and like I cannot underline and stress that one enough and yeah like honestly (laughs) honestly (laughs) the ability to know what's yours like your part and the ability to know what someone else's part is like that is that's that is um really um I can't understate how important that is so yeah The piece that I wanted to kind of read from very quickly is Four Pillars of Authentic Leadership, How Vulnerability Helps to Create Psychological Safety. And what I will say, oh, and this was written by Chris Krupa. And what I will say is that in my research, when I was trying to find articles and things about this topic, emotional safety, I found it very interesting that the only kinds of things that I could find was creating emotional safety for children in school and, and public schools and creating safety at work. And, you know, like, I don't, I'd, I would hope that more bosses are thinking about this and that more teachers and administrators and schools are thinking about this stuff, but... I don't know. I just kind of like thought that that was kind of interesting that it's not just like more general like or for friendships or even for romantic relationships or fam- familiar relationships like why wasn't it sort of like more content geared toward those arenas? Because you know, it kind of feels like we're just supposed to just like figure all of this stuff out on our own. You know, and you know, for those of us who have learned a lot about psychology. Like Patrice has gone to school for it. (laughs) And I've taken courses on this uh, subject. Like maybe some of us are learning some of this stuff. And to be honest, a lot of it is learning it from like academic texts or books or theories or, or whatever. And it's like, wait, why isn't this stuff just like taught in schools and like why doesn't why don't we all just kind of know like how humans operate and the best way to like talk to people and like be around people and be in community. Why isn't this just like I guess what I'm asking is why is capital the center of our lives and not like people and our relationships? You know? So yes <laughs> that mm. is a rhetorical question because we know the answer to that. Yeah I was just... <laughs> Cause capitalism. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, go go ahead.
1: I I mean, I also think though, that emotion, people who feel emotionally safe could also drive like capitalism, right? Like people who want to, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not because I'm also not like a business person, right? Because at the end of the day, like if you think about like the narcissist and the narcissist supply, mm-hmm. perhaps it's more advantageous to have somebody who doubts themselves and who feels like always in lack because then they're always seeking something they can never attain, I suppose. And that that constant drive to reach that, you know, that approval that, that that is always just out of reach, keeps them, drives them harder, maybe, than mm-hmm. someone who feels safe. And maybe that's the thinking, mm-hmm. right? And that's what capitalism does to us, is that we're always trying to seek the approval of some ish that is always just out, like the carrot that's always going to be grabbed back when we try to get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Like keeping us in in lack or keeping us in this belief of, oh, I am not enough. I do not possess mm-hmm. Like just because I'm alive, I am worthy and, and I have value. And no, we need to convince you that no, you need to earn your worth and earn your value and earn your place. And mm-hmm. that is like certainly the business model that we are under right now. And uh, it's... Very depressing, and it leads to a lot of destruction, as we all see, and a lot of violence in our everyday lives. Um, But yeah, uh, the article that I wanted to read, basically, the article breaks down what vulnerability is, and basically, it's the acceptance of potentially being hurt or attacked from situations or individuals, right? Right. And it also goes further and talks about how the fundamentals of vulnerability are self-awareness, like Patrice said, humility, and courage. Then it talks about how vulnerability helps in leadership, and it uh, talks about that there is a decrease when it comes to fear of risk-taking when there's vulnerability present, so... In in other words, if you are in a workplace and your boss is both vulnerable and transparent with you, there's uh, about their fears or their sort of shortcomings, there's like this effect that takes place where, you know, everybody kind of begins to rise to the, the occasion and also feels less afraid of taking risks, which is important in business. And There's also this increase of psychological safe environments when you are open and when you are vulnerable, you know, and you don't use that vulnerability as a weapon. And um, yeah, I really like aspects of this piece by Chris Krupa. And um, I think that this is, first of all, such a broad topic, vulnerability, right? But I think that when it comes to vulnerability, which for everybody there, it's a it's a spectrum or 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 something to that degree. You know, I think that in certain areas, some people feel like they are very vulnerable, and then in other areas, they they recognize within themselves that they're not. You know, I think that for A person like myself and probably a person like you, Patrice, we talk about vulnerable topics like trauma, Mm -hmm. about vulnerable topics like psychology. We talk about vulnerable topics like relationships. But I know that speaking for myself, when it comes to talking about things like needs, like what I need moment to moment needs from my friends and from my chosen family, that is harder for me. And so, you know, like there, this vulnerability topic is really a spectrum and you know i think that um for a long time people have thought of um women as just inherently better at vulnerability because they associate certain topics with women and femininity and mm-hmm. i think it's just way more complicated than, than that and it, that also like feeds into this myth of bio essentialism that women are just born Um, better automatically at emotions and being vulnerable and blah, 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 and that it doesn't just take work and it doesn't take um, effort on their parts and that they have some challenges too, you know? Yeah. Uh, Hello.
1: (laughs) I, this is something that I have struggled with a lot in my dating experience yeah i know right uh because i think that especially this i have i'm still i don't know if it's recovering i have no idea what the word i'm even going to try to use but from this last experience that ended mm, kind of abruptly with me um and there are still some like answers that i wish i would have gotten mm-hmm. um i don't know if it's because i was like studying to be a therapist mm-hmm. that he thought like when when he first when we first quote unquote met each other because we met each other like virtually first oh, wow. like i definitely gave hard ass right mm-hmm. and we didn't get like emotionally involved at all um it was you know we didn't it didn't give that mm-hmm. um and Eventually, when we like met each other like in person, it was like, oh, you're like softer than I thought you would be. And by then, it was like a couple of years after first like um, engaging each other, and you know, time had passed, things had happened, I had gotten out of a situation that needed to end, and all kinds of things, and I was, you know, now in my program or whatever, and therapies and all that. Mm And I was like, "Yeah, you know," but he was also—he also kind of gave, gave off a vibe, a vibe that made... me... say what? Hello. Okay. Yes. Oh yeah.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Gave a
1: vibe. So like... He also like gave off a vibe that made me feel safe. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Um, and so I felt like kind of comfortable, like open, like just kind of being myself for real, like not having to put on that, like toughness that I usually do. Um, and that's not always like my default. My default is to be like, you know, who are you, you know? Um, and so I don't know if my, like, I don't know if it was that assumption that was like, oh, okay. So like, she's. She's like this soft person, like the emotionally soft person that she that that I that I need her to be, or whatever the case may be. Um, but like I, I, I eventually told him, but I don't think I went into detail, and I probably should have. I was like, "Oh yeah, I come from a long line of emotionally unavailable women," but I don't know how serious he took that because, like, it's serious, right? Like, I told him a lot about the issues that I had with my dad because they were easier to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad was a little bit more emotionally available. He was just, he was just like, he was emotionally volatile. That's different. They're not mm-hmm. the same as unavailable, right? <laughs> right. My mom was was until later. My mom was just like cold, right? And that's where I got most of my emotional like download from and so I realized that in my dating experiences that I was used to presenting like cold like I did like I leaned into like do things for love like acts of service you do you show right but you don't really say you don't really you know what I mean like you don't articulate um I was get growing out of that and I kind of the things that I would tell him and the affirmations that I would give like I don't even know if he understood. And he like he didn't have to per se, but I understood. This was the first time that I was doing that for real and actively in a in a like a a, a getting to know dating situation because I was trying to be different, but it was hard. Like I would say things and like literally throw my phone across the room. Like those memes of like, oh, you say something risky and you throw your phone. Like I was literally doing that. Like Mm Body seizing up, like, why (laughs) would you say that? That's (laughs) weird. Like, walk away from my phone in the whole other room because I gotta regulate my nervous system. (laughs) (laughs) But and but then I'm not dealing with someone who is then softer, I'm dealing with someone who has the same issues.
0: Mm, Okay,
1: so that makes it 10 times worse. Right. Like, I remember one time he told me that, like, you know, words of affirmation are very hard for him. And like, I understood him completely um, and all the things. But then, like, when you're trying it out and you're trying it out, though, with someone who has the same issues as you, Mm -hmm. you're constantly getting to a point where you're like, okay, but does this person like me, though? Like, this is starting to feel like. Right. I did not like how you responded to that. That wasn't enough. Right. You know what I
0: mean? Especially in the early days of like trying a new skill or a new thing, working a new muscle, you need a lot like you need a decent amount of like approval, validation. Am I doing this right? Like, is this OK? And like right, a person who uh, does, like that's very low on their love language chart, like they might not give like be available to give all of that support and sort of reassurance and stuff. Right.
1: And I I remember I told him one time, I was like, oh, you know, I don't actually really need that much reassurance. And I believed that. (laughs) When I said it, I believed it. And it was bull. (laughs) And I did like, and I'm, I I was just going through all the things. I believed it because not that I didn't need it. I've never got it. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a cactus. Water? Who needs water? (laughs) Like, And I learned so much about my, but by the time I started learning, like the stakes got higher and higher and it was so much harder to backtrack. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was just, now there were some things though, that it felt so safe to say. There were a couple of times that there were some conflicts that came up and he was kind of like, okay, like, tell me what happened, like, what's the issue, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I don't usually do this. And I'm a whole, like, I do therapy with people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't usually do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I typically, like, we don't we do not do conflict in my family. We just fight or we stop talking, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm talking literally like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And I just assumed that you meant that and blah, blah, blah. blah and this and the third, and this and the third, and then a lot. And he's like, okay, well, this is what I meant. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. I didn't mean to do this, send the third, And I'm like, okay, um, all right, blah, blah, blah. This not, do you feel better now? And I was just like, oh, that was calm. Because <laughs> I'm like, my family context is screaming, mm-hmm. yelling, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so those moments felt extremely safe, safe just because they weren't met with yelling. But eventually- that was not enough. Mm. You know what I mean? It, but for me, yeah, that was beginner, like the beginner level was so profound because I didn't have any context,
0: right, right. Wow, 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 yo, what was that tweet the other day? I think you told you you were talking about your experience in a consultation where the therapist essentially was like, have you never had the support? Wait, what was it?
1: You were criticized. Sounds like you were criticized, but not
0: taught. Right. And like, I was like, oh no, they shaking the table, honey. Day one. They said, let's shake the table real
1: quick. <laughs> let's- I was like, I- why would you say that? <laughs> why would <laughs> you-, you say that to me? <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> The context to give you the context now was I was talking about like, so I was like, when I went to college, you know, I had never um, done my hair myself before. Like I had a relaxer. I still have a relaxer. But I had a relaxer. I never did my hair by myself before. Like my mom would always ha- like do my hair, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And It had to be a certain way. This and the third, you know, charge, prim, proper, all this stuff. But like they would always take me to the salon once I started getting the relaxers done. So when I went to school by myself and I, I, I started school a little early, so like I'm young, this and the third. But I like I had the tool. My friend had a flat iron. But nobody knew. I never actually did my hair by myself before. Uh-huh. So like I watched people do it and in the moment, like the first time I take it, it looked good, but I have to like fast learn like, okay, this is how you turn the barrel of the curling iron right. to get the bump. Mm-hmm. And I'm explaining the whole thing, like this is a regular story, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it sounds like you, but I was, she was like, so how did you do your hair? I was like, no, I just, that they just took the salon. I'm like, oh, you're, 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 you're asking the wrong questions. She's like, well, it sounds like you were criticized, but not, because I, I was also talking about how well, so as I was talking to this guy, so he's from the South and he cooks. Like, I remember one time he was like, oh, I'm going to make uh, like eggnog from scratch. Mm mm-hmm. I was like, you can make eggnog from scratch. Like That's what I, I was like. You just don't buy it in store? the store. I'm almost 30 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you can make eggnog from scratch. I'm mm-hmm. like not even kidding. You. So anyway, he cooks and stuff like that. And I remember I was like, all my life, I've always been like, I don't like cooking. I don't do cooking. It's, it's not a big deal. I, I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, But when I started to live by myself, I was like, you know, I just, I made meals that like I liked and I just found recipes and started figuring out trial and error. Mm-hmm. And now I can make a good make, baked mac and cheese, but I just never did it. And I was like, me and my cousin was like, I don't understand. Why our parents were so big on us like cleaning and stuff, but they never showed us how to cook. It didn't make no sense. We Jamaican, like it didn't make no sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was telling the therapist about that too. And so that's when she entered in. So I was like, you were criticized, but not taught. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, how did they expect us to like raise families but they did teach us how to cook? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was so? I just sat there, froze.
0: Mm-hmm. And she's
1: like, You're you're reacting to that. I'm like, actually, girl, you could leave me
0: alone. <laughs> no because i needed to i needed to i needed to bring that back up because the way that hit me like a ton of bricks and like that's part of what my rant was in the beginning of this episode about like wow like they just expect us to know how to provide emotional safety to people they keep churning out these Um, articles about how lonely men are and who cares about how lonely women are, right? But they (laughs) keep expecting people across genders to just know how to do this stuff. We should just know how to be emotional safe havens for others and should just know how to find emotional safe havens for ourselves. When our Society does not create these emotionally safe safe environments for us or safe structures for us to thrive or live in. In um, and and we just get criticized for our sort of like shortcomings, if you will, if you can even call them shortcomings. You know, if nobody teaches you how to tie your shoe and your shoes are always untied, I, I I guess that's a shortcoming, but not really. Like you you've never nobody has taught you and. You didn't even know that that was important to learn. <laughs> like, if, if nobody was going to teach you, at least somebody could be like, oh, well, that's important to learn. You should you should take it upon yourself to learn that. And it's like, nobody has ever even mentioned anything about shoes. And now <laughs> everybody's making fun of me because my shoelaces are untied. That is something else to me, you know?
1: Yes. So, one, I hope he doesn't hear this, but also if he does, Hable, Um <laughs> I, (laughs) so to use (laughs) your point, we're not even speaking right now. So there's that, but to use that point, it was, I never cared about not, like I would not cooking that well, or just not really cooking. And like, he didn't even really care, but because he cooked so well, seemingly, and, like, you know, we're at the age where people are talking about marriage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I remember one time I was, like, boo-hoo crying to my cousin. I, I might have been on my time of the month. But I was, like, because he's just, how is he going to marry me? And I just don't know how to cook. It doesn't make any sense. Like, wow. I'm literally, like, emotional. And it's that thing of, like, you know, it doesn't matter until, like, you in a point where you feel like you're getting made fun of. And then now all the tweets and all the <laughs> tiktok's about you know girls who can't cook and women who can't cook trying to get chose now they start to bother they never bothered me before and when you think about even men and emotional safety or women like being emotional safe havens for men and and i think that to be honest like is part of the reason why men even try to do that right latch on to because I'm a therapist now and even mm-hmm. men who come to with and I'm a trauma therapist at this point too. I'm doing trauma therapy. Um it's like you you try to go to the person who knows the thing that you need because I'm supposed to try to like find a person, but everybody says I have this deficit or I'm lonely or whatever. And I need the things. So let me go find the person who seemingly is soft and seemingly has the emotional intelligence, or at least knows how to get me the emotional intelligence. So I'll go latch on to the person and hopefully they can help me find what I need. Right. And it's at you can do the thing where you're like you know men always trying to get women to do their work and yes yeah, sure says c- that c- 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 men have a a, um, a tendency for that mm-hmm. but at this but it's not taught in schools mm-hmm. Yeah, therapy but therapy is layered in its accessibility and and in, in all the things yeah. um, and even just the time that it takes and it not all therapists gonna give you what you need like let's be fair. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Time is ticking and uh, I need it yesterday. And so I I, I don't even think I al- always think about how much people come to me and look, although it's exhausting because I'm at this point where it's exhausting now. Mm-hmm. Um kind of think they can latch on to me for like can you show me what I need but I'm just trying to like find a person I can't also like if you need that from me you, you also have to tell me because trying to get it on the slide is like a whole thing but whatever mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. are trying to learn
0: mm-hmm. do you remember when we when we spoke last time and we were spoken we were responding to um the book that we were in, and and Toshia was talking about that she was talking about how like some some guys would try to like, you know, like she's she basically made a joke about how like <laughs> you can't like roll over and then expect me to start, you know, a therapy session with you. It's like, no, no, no. One or the other. You can't you can't have me like this and have me like this. It's like
1: yeah.
0: boundaries type of thing. And I, I'm actually so like I, I I'm so curious to hear about how therapists who um who are dating have boundaries in in that way and I, I want you to talk about that more if you're comfortable with that about like like sure. that fine or not even fine line to me that's a hard line you know that's what I do for work um I'm not bringing that into this because it, it's unethical and um it's it's not gonna like it's not that like either we are gonna be like in a romantic relationship or sexual relationship whatever or you're going to be my client or, or maybe not. You won't be my client. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm not even the right fit for you.
1: Mm -hmm. To be fair to that situation. That's, that wasn't overtly what happened at all, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there was this undertone of like being the expert of that thing. Uh, And so I feel like there were these expectations um, that I I don't know. There was it's it's still some things I'm trying to muddy through, but I don't think it was present in the day to day at all. I think it was just like you have this extra thing for empathy that I need that I don't have in other parts of my life, True. and so you'd be a good person to be connected to. And to be gotcha. to be fair to him, like I don't think that he really got empathy in other parts of his life, and and I was okay with that right. to be to be honest. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But. I, I remember one time I was I was talking to this person and I, when I talked about like being just in my program like first of all I'm I'm just learning you don't even know what I know yet and immediately it was like oh you can be my therapist and I was like and we were just messing around I was like no what are we talking about here um, and <laughs> I mean that be the next that be the next word out of people's mouths like. And there'd be there be some people who find that to be honest, there's some people who find that flattering, right? Um, that's part of the problem. There are some people who find that flattering. Um, and so I, I think I'm thinking about now, like I I've one, I don't date that much. So I, I there's there's that. There's, I might might not even be the good reference point. I don't date that much. Um, and even this situation is, is kind of fresh. So if you can tell by how much I'm talking about it, so, uh, there hasn't been anything else. Um, but I, I think that I, I think I started telling people like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I work in a nonprofit cause I do. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> so a bit more broad, right. I work in a nonprofit, right. I work
1: in a nonprofit. I work with kids. I work with kids. Um, okay. I've done mental health professional which that what does that really mean? Um but somebody took that which is like oh you you didn't you didn't even think twice. So maybe I shouldn't even talk to you much further cuz you weren't curious. Um but I, I I some people didn't even think too far into it which was like oh you didn't even you you actually aren't even here for anything but you just want you just want to have sex cuz you didn't even <laughs> think anything else. Um so I don't know. I, th- I haven't had as I just started. So I haven't had as much experience, but I do think there is this undertone of like, you're going to be so nice to me at the very least. Uh, you're going to be so nice to me. This is going to be, this is going to be amazing.
0: Oh, right. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Right. The okay. Safety
1: is going to be there. Like you're going to be safe for
0: me. All the time for me. You are, you exist for me and my like, Emotional safety and like you're gonna be this nice like cushy person, woman. Mm. Yes. Wow. Wow. Meanwhile,
1: I my therapist is an EMDR therapist for a reason, mm. right? <laughs> like, uh, I have issues that I am dealing
0: with. <laughs> you need that on a shirt too, I, child. I have issues. I need that on a shirt, actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so, and that's the part that I'm actually struggling with is the the output of empathy, like the output of empathy that I'm required to give out is now mm. like very much surpassing any empathy that I am receiving in my life. Wow, currently.
0: wow. And okay. that is
1: it's way, it, the, the, the balance is not happening. The, there's the, There's not even close to a balance. And I think that's part of why that situation Started to fall apart for me, and like just other situations in my life started to fall apart. The, my I wasn't feeling after a while. Even that situation, the emotional safety. When I had my wild out moment or my like, yo, what's going on here? It was kind of like, oh, shut. Like even that one, that conflict situation that I talked about earlier. And when I brought, you know, a situation up that I wouldn't have brought up otherwise, and it blew up, I was very caught off guard, and I was like, so has the safety ended? Mm. Are we? Has it was there a time limit on my, you know, soft place to land right. and I'm, I'm struggling with and one of the comments that was made was like, you know, I guess I gave you too much credit as, you know, the mental health professional in the room. And it was like, well, what the what the hell does that mean? No, like, no, that's do not I never. And that was unsafe for me.
0: Right, right. Because now, okay, so what I hear in what you just said is an emotional safety green flag is an even fair exchange of energy and empathy, you know, and it doesn't have to be exactly like tit for tat, for example, like... If I am more sort of like empowered or strong in the mental capacities or, or financial capacities, and maybe you are more strong in the emotional capacities and also the physical capacities, maybe you know we both are expending energies for in the places that we are strong, and um, you know it doesn't like it's not exactly like tit for tat or one one for one in exactly the same areas, but there's certainly an awareness of how much energy is being expelled by each person and um, a desire and willingness to kind of uh, reciprocate that. So there's reciprocity and emotional safety. And then I also hear there is like balance too and and boundaries.
1: Yeah, um, and I think balance is a key thing because everybody's gonna have their day a day a low point, a moment, and I could, I think one of the things is that, like, are you really, there's a commitment level, right, to safety and a commitment level to people that I think is missing from even just all the things, like, the loneliness and all the stuff, like, people are, the, I think what's being said is that people are getting more individualistic and all that stuff, because I think people are not committed to other people, people are getting back committed to self. Um, and I think maybe that's, uh, maybe it's a theory that's happened with this, this, um, the wave of the self-care movement. You absolutely should have been committed to self, right? Like, but like, that doesn't mean you then pull the plug out from your commitment to community. Mm -hmm. Um, and being committed to self then doesn't mean that like, so for example, if you if you are in a situation, let's say like a dating situation or even a, a friend situation, because we've seen the thing where because you have friends and then you get a romantic partner, then you decide that your friends are no longer important. And so then you remove your plug from the friends and you put all your outputs or inputs, whatever the word is, into your romantic partner because you no longer have spoons for friends, right? And that's why like, you know, Whatever type of dating you want to engage in, like, I think that, like, when you get to a point where you get to, uh, what is it, past the small talk, and now we're sharing traumas and all that, I think that articulating what the level of commitment is is important, and that was that's a whole other thing, because now... Uh, you have to be committed to creating that safety and that bubble has to be made that, that, uh, soft place has to be maintained, Yeah. right? That, that, that is a, a daily maintenance that doesn't just stop when you're like, oh, I didn't like how that went. I'm done. Because now when you're done, you, you, you've left with all that person's stuff. That person is now exposed. Mm-hmm. All of the things that have been shared between the two of you, um, mm-hmm are now just exposed to the elements that per- the all the th- it's painful right mm-hmm. and it it takes more than just it, it's it's more than just we just we just we're talking about some things like having people share emotional things being vulnerable vulnerability is not something that you just do casually because you were trying to get to know somebody
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's like we i made a commitment to like this information that I gave to you could really hurt me
0: Mm.
1: if used incorrectly. Mm. Wow. And you'd have to be committed to, am I going to like hold this properly? And so if, if we do decide that this is not something that we want to commit to anymore, then I'd have to rest that down gently and, and not just, you know, react poorly and then throw your things back in your face and walk away.
0: Hmm, well. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So even outside of or especially outside of a romantic relationship, I'm thinking about friendships, I'm thinking about family, I'm thinking about casual encounters with people. Do you have anything like any any tools that um that people could take into their day-to-day lives? Um, that help create a bit more emotional safety. Um, I, I definitely have one, so I can go first if nothing comes right to mind right away. What do you um you should I I think go? oh you.
1: yeah, one came to mind immediately. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my first my, my my big one is honesty. Mm. Right? I think people have to be honest about where they are and how they I'm going to say how they feel, but that's kind of not where I'm going with that. But it is right in terms of like what your capacity is like, you know, just the temperature check. But just honesty in general, because, for example, um, if you're not able to carry someone's stuff, if you're not able to do vulnerability with someone, if you're not, if, 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 you know, there are limitations or, you know, just whatever it is. If that it the, the disclaimer honesty brings along the disclaimer honesty brings along what your what the parameters are for how you can show up that mm-hmm. has to come first so that someone then who is in in community with you can decide whether they can meet you where you are
0: mm-hmm. so honest right?
1: or want to engage
0: honesty and then I would say mine is being a good listener. And this is something that I take with me in just my day-to-day life. And it's something that I've gotten better at as I have addressed some of my own wounds and some of my own stuff because I noticed that back before I had done some of that work, part of why I wasn't the best listener was because things that people would say would stir up some of my own stuff. And so then I would think that they were talking about this thing that I had been through or or the situation, the scenario that I had been through rather than them talking about where they are right now and how they personally feel about where they are right now. Prior to me doing the work, I would then project, oh, what you must be feeling. Oh, cause when I went through this, this is what I was feeling or this is how I felt. So you must be feeling what I felt. And it's like, no, the person never said that. The person said that actually this thing upset them or this thing actually was like good for them or or whatever. And so, um, you know, I just I just really always say that a, a huge part of creating emotional safety is being able to be present to be a good listener, you know.
1: Yeah, so related to that, I think it's that divesting from the outcome that you are that you want, right? Like that pre that pre built outcome that you decided needs to happen from the situation Mm -hmm. helps you to be a better listener. For example, when you ask a question, but you ask the question knowing that you actually wanted someone to pick pick an option, like you had A, B, C, and they have to pick C, Mm. but when you ask the question, like, open-endedly, like, let it be actually open-ended. That way you can actually hear what the answer really is yeah. versus you're listening for option C.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Those are some good ones. Um The last thing I wanted to do in this podcast episode, uh, we're at the end, is briefly just kind of share a couple of important notes from this article that I read Um, and the article is, it comes from the Cigna Group and the title of it is The Loneliness Epidemic Persists, a Post-Pandemic Look at the State of Loneliness Among U.S. Adults. So America was facing mental health challenges prior to COVID-19 pandemic that were fueled in part by an epidemic of loneliness that continues today. Loneliness and mental health concerns often go hand in hand. The new data shows that adults with mental health issues are twice as likely to experience loneliness as those with strong mental health. Given this association and widespread mental health concerns following the pandemic, the need to continue to raise awareness about loneliness remains. Like most aspects of health and well being, personal factors including race, age, gender, and income play a role in how individuals and communities experience loneliness. And some people are more impacted than others. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to read that and encourage everybody listening to this to go ahead and read that article. All of all of the articles that I've mentioned will definitely be in the show notes. So uh, it'll be just one click away. And I wanted to thank Patrice for being on this episode with me. And if there's any other thing that you wanted to say or leave the listeners with, now is the time.
1: Um, Say what you need, say what you feel, and then you can figure out what you need. Mm. That's mm. Uh, that's something that I've learned.
0: mm. Thank you so much, Patrice. It was a pleasure talking to you again. And I will talk to you soon.
1: Talk soon. Bye. Bye.
0: I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Let's Heal Already podcast. To be clear, I'm not advocating for an emotionally intelligent patriarch or for more men to begin and end their work at feeling comfortable painting their nails, wearing dresses, or expanding what falls under the fold of masculinity. Similarly, I do not want to be a highly efficient, well-adjusted worker under capitalism, which is often the aim of Western therapy models. I am calling for the system to be abolished. That system is imperialist, cis-heterosexist, white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchy. Please leave a rating or review on the platform you use to listen to this podcast, and feel free to share this with your friends. Donation to show support can be made at J-R-Y-U-S-S-U-F on Venmo.